0: Thank you, James. I've entitled this message this morning, The Bleeding King. The Bleeding King. Let's just bow our heads in prayer, shall we, just as we come to God's word. Father in heaven, just want to pray that as we sung those song, that song, that one those wonderful words, Lord, thank you, Father, for that rugged cross. And Lord, as we look into your word now, we pray that you will give us understanding. Pray that man will not be seen. Lord, we don't want to hear what man has to say. Father, man has nothing to say. But Lord God, when you speak about your son, you have everything to say. And so we want to hear your spirit speak through those words, Lord. We pray, God, that you will bring revelation, understanding, understanding. That you yourself, oh God, will make your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, great today. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you live um, in a Jewish area, or you may work with Jewish people, or you may um, have some Jewish friends, you will know, that in the next few weeks, they will be celebrating the holiday, which they will call the Passover. That will be happening in the next few weeks. And my head in this morning, a, a bleeding king. And uh, the reason for this is because it was no coincidence that Jesus Christ was sacrificed or died at the same time. At the Jewish Passover. It was no coincidence at all. It was always planned that way. That Jesus. Will die at the same time. That the Jews. Celebrate. The Jewish Passover. And. At the Jewish Passover. It seems that. A lot of blood. Was used. In the first. Jewish Passover. Passover. And so I want to look at this account first and foremostly. And the first thing that I want to say is the um, first heading is the blood of the lamb. The blood of the lamb. Now, when this was written in the Old Testament, in Exodus chapter 12, what was happening was that the Jewish nation was in slavery in Egypt. They were slaves for 400 years. They were slaves in Egypt. And we find it hard to understand what slavery was all about, but it was a horrible business. Alex Haley, in his book, The Roots, spoke about slavery in the Deep South. Horrible business. But do you know that there's Slavery even today, even in London, I read in the news just this week that three women were rescued from a home in Lambeth where they were kept for 30 years as slaves in the house. One woman was 30, one woman was 57, one woman was 69 was kept as slave. And slavery still go on in our nation today. Women are, are sexually abused, are, are worked as, 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 as unpaid servants. Slavery still happens today. Miserable business. And it wasn't any better in the days of Egypt. Those men in Egypt, those Jews in Egypt were under a tremendous bondage. So badly that we hear them crying out. During that long period, a king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out. And their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. God heard their groaning and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac and with Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites, and was concerned about them. God was concerned so much so that He sends Moses. He sends Moses into it, and He said to Moses, "Go to Pharaoh and tell Pharaoh to let my people go." As I thought said that the old Negro spiritual was coming out in my back of my mind there. You know, tell old Pharaoh. Let my people go. Sorry, but I just came out. But um, instead of Pharaoh softening his heart, Pharaoh hardened his heart. Instead of listening to God and saying, I will agree, Pharaoh's heart became hard. You know, the longer you hear God's word without obeying God's word, do you know what happens to your heart? Your heart becomes hard. You know, sometimes the hardest people to bring to Christ are old people. I met an old man the other day and I was talking to him and sharing with him about Christ. And I said to him, well, what about you? He goes, ah, that's not for me, he said. Didn't want to engage his mind and think about the resurrection, whether it was true or not true. didn't want to engage his mind to think about Jesus, whether he came or didn't come. He said, it's not for me. You see, the longer you live without turning to Christ, the harder your heart becomes to the message. So God said to Pharaoh, I'm going to send 10 plagues. 10 plagues came. The last plague was the most serious of them all. Often God separates his people. The plague came to the Egyptians, but it didn't come to the Israelites. But this time, the whole nation, the whole land, whether he was Jew or whether he was a Gentile, everyone was going to come under this judgment. No one was going to be exempt Every single person, whether you're an Egyptian or whether you're a Jew, will come under this judgment of God. So what happens? Well, God himself said, I'm going to bring judgment myself. I'm going to come. And I'm going to strike the land in judgment. This is what he says. Let's read it. So Moses said, This is what the Lord says about midnight I will go throughout Egypt. Every firstborn son in Egypt will die, from the firstborn son of Pharaoh, who sits on the throne, to the firstborn son of the female slave who is at her handmill. And all the firstborn of the cattle as well. God says, I will go throughout the whole land. No other person but myself. And in judgment, I will come down, he says, on the whole land of Egypt. And I, says the Lord, will strike the firstborn throughout the whole land. And that will be the judgment for their rebellion. It will be a judgment towards their gods. It will be a judgment from me. That must have been a terrible thing for Moses to hear. We hear it ourselves and we think, oh, goodness, isn't that terrible? Judgment. God himself will fight against the whole land in anger and in wrath. But God brings an escape plan. Praise his name. God turns around and says, on that same night I will pass through Egypt and I will strike down every firstborn of both people and animals and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood, what blood? Well the blood of the lambs that were being slaughtered. Or the goats. God commanded that the lambs or the goats will be slaughtered And that the blood will be taken and placed on the doorposts and on the lentils of the house. And God says that the blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. That's why it's called the Passover. God says, when you put the blood of the lamb on the doors. You can look at that blood yourself and it will be a sign for you that you're safe. When you put the blood on on your house, when I come in to judge, I will see the blood and you will be safe. Your family will be safe. No destructive plague will enter into your house. It's the blood of the Lamb that brings protection from the wrath of God. Let me say it again. It's the blood of the Lamb that brings protection from the wrath of God. You understand that? You with me? That's very important that you get hold of that. It's the blood of the Lamb that was slaughtered that brings protection to that house. That blood separated house from house. Separated people from people. Separated the Egyptians from the Jews. And if you were a foolish Jew and you said, I don't believe it, I'm not going to do it, when you will be separated from your own people. And so that is my first heading, the blood of the Lamb. Now the second thing I'm going to say this morning, I want to speak about the blood of a king. He said, although we know that Jesus is the Lamb of God, I want you to see him this morning as a king. You see, next week is Palm Sunday. And what is Palm Sunday all about? Well, we read from Zechariah Rejoice greatly, daughters of Zion. Shout, daughters of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey. On the colt, the foal of a donkey. Jesus is king. How does he come into Jerusalem? He comes into Jerusalem on a donkey. Everyone came out and waved palm branches and say, uh, praise be to God, hail the son of David. And they worshipped him. But he came in on a donkey, but he came in as king. That's who he was. In fact, when you go through the whole of his trial, you go through the whole of his crucifixion, his kingship comes up again and again. Pilate turned around and says to him, are you a king? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. even in front of Pilate, was saying to him, I am a king. When he died, what did Pilate write above his head? What what was the inscription in three languages? Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened to the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. I want to tell you this morning, Jesus was king and still is king. He is the king of glory. He is the king of righteousness. He is the king of heaven. He is the king of eternity. He always was a king and he always will be a king. In fact, Daniel, when Daniel spoke about him, cried out and said, his kingdom is an eternal kingdom. From generation to generation, His kingdom will know no end. Even in creation, it was him who spoke into darkness and said, let there be light. He is the king of creation. But now we see this king. Well, how do we see this king? Well, we see this king. In John 19, then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe and went up to him again and again, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they struck him in the face. there must have been a lot of blood around the crucifixion of Jesus. There must have been blood oozing from the back where he was whipped. Blood pouring down his face when he'd been punched and slapped and a crown of thorns pierced his brow. There must have been blood pouring from his hands when they put nails in it. There must have been blood pouring from his feet. In fact, we read in John's Gospel when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his leg. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. There must have been a lot of blood around Jesus when he died. A lot of blood. Sadly, many can't see Jesus as king. Sadly, many people only see a Jesus broken on the cross in some Catholic church somewhere. And they look at that and they say, oh, that's a Jesus. He's broken. He's he's a nobody. They have no respect. Now, I haven't been in in the presence of any kings I haven't been in the presence of a prime minister. I think I've seen my brother Carl K. How was President Obama? I know you went over to the States and, and Carl was doing some work out there, not very far from the president. Can you imagine standing by the president and saying, Excuse me, President, can you get out of the way? And have no respect for him? Can you imagine having no respect for a man in his position? but so many people today have no respect for Christ. No respect for him at all. And here he is. A bleeding king. One who has blood all over his body. And I ask myself, why? Why is it important that Jesus is a bleeding king? Why? Why? Because Jesus turned... Because in the Bible, in the Hebrews, it says this. Go back one slide. It says in Hebrews nine twenty two. without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. That is huge. Can you imagine... No forgiveness for all the sins that you may have committed. There's no forgiveness without the shedding of blood. The way to God is barred. Unbelievable. When I was younger, I used to read stories to my children. And one of my favorite stories, whether they want to hear it or not, was Sleeping Beauty. I still read it from time to time when they weren't around, but we won't talk about that. Watched the movie as well, Princess Aurora, her name was. What a strange name. But the story goes that Princess Aurora pricks her finger on a spindle. And she falls asleep for a hundred years. I think all of you are more interested in that story than what I'm preaching about, but never mind. (laughs) She falls asleep for a hundred years. And as he sleeps, around the castle grows thorns and briars and, and a thick forest. Covers the castle. No one can get to the castle. The whole road, the whole way to the castle was blocked up. No one can get there. But you know what? The way to God is blocked up as well. No one can get to God No one can have access to him because the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there's no access to God. No one can get to him. Somebody had to shed his blood. Somebody had to die. Someone had to be like the king of glory himself. Only him. No one else. That's why there was so much blood around Jesus. Because he himself was the only one qualified to open up a way back to God. No one else was qualified. You and I can never be qualified. He had no sin. He was the only one who was able to open up that way. How can you ignore a man like that? How can you ignore Christ? And say, he's of no importance. How can you give him no respect? When he opened up the way by his blood. Well, in closing, my third and final heading, I want to bring two of these headings together. The first and second, I want to bring it together at my third point. The blood on a man. You see, the Bible says that the people of Israel back in Exodus, they had to kill a lamb and they had to place the blood of the lamb on the post around the door of the house. And the verse that I read to you earlier says, on that same night I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animal and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord." The blood will be a sign for you on the house where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. You see, the blood was an important part of the Passover. It had to be on the doors. And that's exactly what took place. When God came through the land, he looked at every single house. He saw that house had the blood, 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 and he just passed over these houses, because the blood of the Lamb was upon each home. Now Jesus speaks in the New Testament. And Jesus says, This when a son of a man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another. As a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. You see, Jesus is saying, one day I'm coming again. And when I come in my glory, not as a wounded, bleeding king. No, no, no. When I come in my glory, as a glorified king, I will separate. I will separate man from man. I will separate woman from woman. I will separate. When I ask myself, well, how will he separate? What will he look for? How can he tell who belongs to him? How can he tell who does not belong to him? How? I'll tell you how. He would tell by the blood on the soul of a man. He would tell from the blood, his own blood, on the soul. Of a woman. That will be the distinguishing mark. That will separate a man from a man. And a woman from a woman. Is whether they have the blood of Jesus. On their very soul. Those who have said. Cleanse me oh God. Cleanse me. Wash me O God. That I might be clean. Those who say. Cleanse me by the blood of Christ. Those are the ones who Jesus will be looking at until I'm separating you. As a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. There was a man called William Cowper. He wrote this glorious hymn. There is a fountain filled with blood, drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunge beneath that flood. Lose all their guilty stains. Lose all their guilty stains. Lose all their guilty stains. And sinners plunge beneath that flood. Lose all their guilty stains. Hallelujah. Again, the second verse says this The dying thief rejoiced to see that fountain. In his day. And there may I. Though file. As he. Wash all my sins away. Wash all. My sins away. Wash all. My sins away. And there may I. Though file. As he. Wash all my sins away. Praise be to God. That's it. When Christ sees the blood on you, his blood, when he sees that you have turned to him and said, oh God, there's nothing of myself but cleanse me from my sin. Your blood can do the cleansing. And he will pass over you. No destructive plague will come upon you. No judgment will find you. In fact, John says, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us or cleanses us from all sin. He will separate you. And he will put you to one side and say, that belongs to me. Why? Because Jesus Christ is no longer a bleeding king. No, he is a glorified king. He's a king of righteousness. He's a king of heaven. He's a king of eternity. And one day, you and I will share in his kingdom. Praise be to God. We will share in his kingdom. How will we share? What we will know that we. Will, what can we look for this? To confirm and to, to assure me that I will share in his kingdom, I tell you what it is, is whether I have the blood of Christ upon me today. That is the confidence that I can have. If you want that confidence, my friend, be sure that the blood of Christ is upon you. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And it's the Lord's spirit that will draw you to that place where your eyes will be open, your mind will be clear, and you will know and see your vileness, see your wickedness, see your sin. And say, oh God, thank you for Christ. Thank you for his blood. Wash me, cleanse me, that I might be called a child of the living God. Let's pray. Lord God almighty I praise you Easter. Easter is coming and the fountain is still open hallelujah the fountain is still available the blood of Christ still flows it still has that power to cleanse men from sin oh God I pray that the Christians here today might rejoice and those who do not know you might come to faith in you today because we know, O oh God Almighty, that you desire all men to be in your kingdom. Oh, call. Call us, we pray. Humble our hearts, we ask of you, that we might come in full assurance of faith.